Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Our lives are not our own. We are bound to others. Past, present, and future. Welcome to The Syndicate, a film and TV podcast. Be a part of the conversation as industry insiders, genre lovers, and cinephiles dare to peek beyond the curtains of imagination and dive into the art of cinema. Join us as we want you to spend less time scrolling and more time watching. Now here's your host, Armand Haddad. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for coming back. We have Peter in the blue corner. Thank you so much for coming back, Pete. Thanks for having me. And we have in the red corner, Lucas. Hello, hello. Welcome hello. back. I don't see any red color over here. <laughs> Damn, so I took the blue pill and he took the red pill? Yes. Unless he made red yes. wine then. Oh. Guess, yeah. Yes, we all took the red pill because we're drinking a red wine, pre-pandemic <laughs> stuff, 2019. It's a good year. Yes. Cheers, everybody. Less stress on the grapes. Uh, another Cheers. great Cheers. podcast. Prost. Cheers. Prost. Yamas. So yeah, very fitting because we're talking about Cloud Atlas today, a film by the Wachowskis. And before we get into the film proper, I want to know how we all discovered this film. Uh, Lucas, you're the one that brought us all here today. So would you like to start off? How did you first discover Cloud Atlas? Yeah, I uh, first discovered it uh, when it came out in theaters. Uh, and I I want to say, I remember coming out theaters, I didn't watch it then, but then... It was on some streaming serve some streaming service a while back during the pandemic or shortly before it or something like that, and that's when I remember when I first saw it. And then just uh, as I've been doing a bunch of audiobooks the last year and a half, uh, it was on my list where I wanted to just read it and see what the, what the difference was. And mm. then uh, you know after getting back into it and uh, kind of liking that more cerebral kind of movie, I kind of thought it'd be fun to discuss with you about uh, Armand. Well, I'm glad that you brought it because this is a film that has been on my mind since I saw it in theaters, I believe 2012, so 11 years ago. Is that when it came out, 2012? Yeah. Yeah. Are, no, yeah. are you sure about that? It was 2012. Because I thought that I bought it for like a dollar at a bookstore in 2012 on, on Blu-ray. I mean, the movie bombed pretty hard. I mean, I have my DVD 
I think because I people didn't know what it was. I think that's why. I mean, how do you even market this film? Because like. The way that I'm... How did you discover this? Yeah, so... Yeah, it was 2012. This was 2012? It came out? Okay, so... Okay, I probably bought it for a dollar at Half Price Books in 2013. (laughs) So, I remember when the first marketing came out for this, and the trailers were from the people that brought you The Matrix and blah, 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 which is the Wachowskis. And I was like, oh, sick, tight. Because I think the third Matrix came out like years prior right or something like that 1998 98 was the third one no oh not the third no the first one the third sorry one. so the third one came out whenever that was four ish yeah and i myself love sci-fi and cerebral type movies for sure but Same. then I, I saw the wachowskis i'm like all right tight this is gonna be like futury weird whatever but they're doing it i'm i'm, I'm on board so I had no idea what this movie was about, but then the trailer, there was so much shit going on. And I was like, Tom Hanks, check. Halle Berry, check. Um, the dude that played Agent Smith, check. Hugo Ch- Weaving. Hugo yeah. Weaving, check. And I was like, okay, this Hugh cast. Grant, Hugh Grant, check. Hugh Grant, <laughs> check. And I was like, holy shit, this cast looks unreal. Yeah. So I had no idea what it, what it was about. I saw it in theaters. I was lost as all hell. And then when it came out on DVD, I saw it for a buck and I was like, that's that movie. I'm going to get that. Watch it one more time. Still didn't understand it. And then when you presented this podcast episode, I'm like, all right, I'm on board. Let's uh, peel this onion back. That's right. Because like I gathered you here today because I knew you were such a big stand for this film. I mean, you even brought it up just in conversation. Like, oh yeah, Cloud Oh yeah, because it's so different. Like there's so much going on. Right. Like... I discovered it. You know, okay, here's a little fun fact. I didn't realize the Wachowskis made this film until I rewatched it for this podcast. <laughs> Are you kidding me? I'm dead serious. Because like I'm why, that's why. the main bullet point as to like you can't even pick up on like the Wachowski vibes and cinema. I got the Wachowski vibes. I was watching. I'm like, huh? Because like we're gonna like, get into it's it. It's like watching like, a Tarantino movie. You might not know, but you're like, this kind of gets kind of feels, feels like, like that. a Tarantino. Because mm-hmm. I was watching, yeah. I was like, this kind of feels like The Matrix. It yeah, kind of feels like Blade Runner th- too. There's definitely parts where you're like, this is straight up Matrix. Yes. Yeah. I was like, huh, this is very Matrixy. And then at the end, I'm like, well, that's why the Wachowskis made it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. My draw towards this movie was not, the, I, I don't know how it flew over my head that Wachowskis made this, but it was the theme of like us being the amalgamation of all of our ancestors and our ancestors lived through us. I was drawn towards that uh, idea and I was like, oh. I want to see a movie about this. Maybe I'll learn something new about myself. And that's how I went into it. That's And leaving the theater for the first time, I enjoyed it, to be honest. I don't know why. Well, yeah, I totally enjoyed it, too. I was just, I was lost as shit. Yeah, <laughs> you were? I was, yeah. Uh, yeah. I was like, what did I just witness right now? <laughs> it was just a fever dream. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't. I didn't even see the tie between the ancestors. I thought it was just the same people living different lives in different times. Oh, you it, thought, it, okay. Yeah, it's it's. I, I'm not sure if we're moving on to the next point. We're moving on. Yeah. Okay. So I it's <laughs> so the difference, but as far as from the book form and and the and the movie form together, um, I would personally say that each medium on their own kind of makes it. Not very clear, confusing at times, or complicated, but the them book. to yeah, the book, but also the movie because you're just like you're being thrown into it. Mm-hmm. 
versus them together, you kind of get the full picture and you're like, oh, okay, I missed this in the book or I, or I would have missed this in the movie if I didn't know this. Or the movie has a way of showing something else that the book has an inability to do just by its nature of its, of its medium. Right. Um, but that being said, the, uh, the biggest difference I'll say between the book and, and the movie is that the movie is able to play on, um, the soul moving on versus the human shell where they mix mm. up where the, the, the birthmark individual is, is yeah. that indicated individual that whose soul is just traveling through each timeline. Mm-hmm. And when you meet people who just in the previous story, well, you know, the soul was the Tom Hanks guy or they're this person yeah. or they're that person. But now in, in the next scene, they're completely not, it's the reciprocal of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just kind of easier to kind of like visualize that in like the movie form because you can kind of see it. But the movie does make it a little more confusing, but I, I would say in like an artistic way just to show that like to conf- purposefully confuse the audience because they're trying to show you that like this is how it, it moves through. Um, but the book itself, uh, not that it was – it was very interestingly written because each kind of chapter, almost in a, uh, 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 who was that guy? Like George R. R. Martin kind of way, where it's it's a different perspective, a different story. Oh, I see. Uh, but the the author ends up writing just in completely different styles and syntax, and mm-hmm. so it can be a little oh, wow. weird to pick up. So you're going from like this very futuristic language that's kind of computery yeah. to going back to you know. Uh, you know, uh, the San Francisco old timey one where they're using like flowery language and yes. things like that. Um, that's, and, that's and, quite and, a feat. Yeah. And, yeah. And so it's, as you're reading it, it's just sometimes it's difficult to pick up on the coach uh, and the code switching and shifting. And it's not a bad thing. It's just like, it takes time to get used to, mm. or you just might realize like, Oh, okay. This sounds, this feels like I'm in like history class and I got to review like documents between like the founding fathers or something. Right. Um, so, Lucas, you read the book, yeah, uh, in preparation for this. Um, I have to ask, like, oh, 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 one last thing I'll say that was a major, like, great thing about the movie versus the book form is if you read the book, it's very weird when they talk about like the Cloud Atlas, uh, uh, mm. Sonata, or whatever it was, Sextot, Sextot, and it's weird because you're reading a book, and like, I'm not musical in nature, so I don't think in like in music because I don't know musical notes, and so. As like you're reading the book, you're like, okay, so they're playing music, and I don't know what's supposed to sound like. So it's cool to see that movie creativity where they could get that involved um, into this the story and plot line that you can't get through a book. Yeah, so that is one of the <clears throat> original trailer p- like pieces that hooked me when I first saw the trailer for this movie. And we're not talking about the movie; we're talking about the book right now. Yeah, but like the first or second scene of the trailer was this old composer talking to this like understudy dude. And he's like, that's the song. That's the song from my dream. And I was like, hold up. That's that looks pretty interesting. Let's continue this trailer. And yeah, like I feel like once I watched it again, it like the, the whole thing flows like a symphony start to end. And I think, so are there six different stories going on? Cause that'd be cool. Cause it's the cloud Atlas sextet that's written in the yeah. in the story. Oh my god. And if there's six stories. I didn't realize that. I just thought about that right now off the cuff. 
All right, go on about the book. My, my bad. Yeah, yeah, there probably are six stories. There are six stories. Um, yeah, and the only other major difference, but again, just clearly between like you can't, well, you can't read music. I just can't. Um, is are the notes in the book? That's why I honestly, want to know. It's a symphony it, no, in the book. No, no, no. But I just like. I mean, there's. It, it, it's kind of like it's. Do you remember that one point in the in the movie in which like again he woke up from that dream and he was like and he was just repeating like ta da da da. Again, to me, even watching that, I'm musically stupid, so I don't know. Same I'm with like, me. I'm like, how did he come up with that to that? Um, it but just yeah. came to him. But, 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 but I'm just saying, like, in an artistic way, it was nice in the movie to actually have some kind of music that actually be in there, yeah. which you can't mm-hmm. get through a book form, really. Um, it's impressive that, okay. So I thought, because, like, the Cloud Atlas sextet is so well done, like, the melody for that. Uh, symphony is like so good i was like surely this is probably derived from the book but you're telling me that no, the music I, is someone had to admit no i mean not that i know of it i didn't I, it, it is a solid soundtrack i was listening yeah, to the soundtrack is. before you guys came over and i was like this is this is top notch yeah and that's what hooked me like i'm all for that like classic symphony sounding music yeah. and i was like okay what's this movie cloud atlas cloud atlas Guys, I want to get into the movie. I want to dive headfirst. Mm-hmm. Who would like to summarize the story of Cloud Atlas? And I'll help you along the way because there are six interweaving <laughs> yeah. stories. Oh, oh um, Peter, Lucas. Let's so, see. So, so summarize. You want me to start it so off? Summarize each story so, or the I never entire started, movie, so but I'll how start about, it off. How about, can I start with two different quotes? Yes, please. And we can go from there. Yeah. So... Well, I was watching this movie. It's like three hours long. I paused it every 10 minutes to write down a quote. Oh, <laughs> yeah. wow. Because I'm like, holy shit, this is great. So one quote, um, souls cross ages like clouds cross skies. We cross, crisscross, and recross our old tracks like figure skaters. And then hold on to that thought. Mm-hmm. The other one is there are whole movements I wrote Imagining us meeting again and again in different lives, different ages. Now we can talk about what this thing's about. That beautifully sums up the entire film. And like, before I start talking about the six different stories that this movie talks about, my favorite quote is, what is an ocean but a multitude of drops? Mm -hmm. At the very end of the movie. Yes. Yep. It's so beautiful. And then what comes after that quote? (laughs) What if no one believes this truth? And he's like, someone already does. Hey. Oh, snap. Okay, movie's done. Let's talk about Saw now. <laughs> okay, so the six interweaving stories we have in 1849. So just context. We have six stories from like the 1800s into like the far flung future. So we have 1849, the Pacific Journal of Adam Ewing. Uh, we have 1936 letters uh, from Zendelhem. Uh, and then we have the 1970s. And then we have 2012, quote, modern day when it was made. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the near future with Somni 451-2144. And then the far po- post-apocalyptic future. Uh, I'm not going to read this made-up language. Uh, with primitive tribesmen. Mm-hmm. More agrarian in nature. Yes. yes. Yeah. Basically, like the future sci-fi version of Tom Hanks's Castaway, but with a family. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's, that's the true, right. true. 
the true truth. And uh, no volleyball. No volleyball. <laughs> no Wilson. Oh, too bad. Okay, guys. I was... God, I remember watching this in theaters and, like, re-watching it now, like, it all makes sense to me. Because, like, when I was watching it in theaters, I was like, okay, I was a little... Maybe I was just younger. I didn't fully grasp it. So, like, now I'm like, oh, I get it now. This makes... this completely makes sense to me and like what i love about the movie even though it's six different stories they're all structured the same they're all the same stories just in different Repeated, settings almost yes. in degree. yep and each story beat is exactly the same and, and all that's these why different stories. that's why i don't see the whole like ancestral connection i see it as the same people living very similar lives across different times because they're all going through the same thing. Yes. And there's something that Halle Berry's character said in like the 1970s version mm-hmm. of Halle Berry. And she basically said that she's just trying to understand why we keep making the same mistakes over and over and over again. Like she's made them before, just not in this lifetime. Mm. Yes. Yes. Oh my God. So it's kind of like, um, this movie touches upon a few ideas, and one of them is, I guess, reincarnation. I, I think, the one thing I thought that I think was kind of persistent through the entire uh, every single story, but just kind of started um, with the first story within itself, was just kind of that theme of the human soul wanting to be free, and every single story has some kind of uh, trying to break free in some way or, or another. Uh, some through more sad means, uh, but there's still some kind of uh, inner fire that uh, is prevalent through the entire uh, movie. Which I'd like to unpack that a little bit more. So, uh, you know, it starts with the first uh, the first story in which uh, the enslaved uh, man is. I'm trying to find out the actual guy's name. The Pacific right. Journal of Adam Ewing. Yeah, M. Ewing, in which he, uh, Atua? Atua, I think the guy's name is what says here. Yeah, Atua. Um, just in which, you know, he's kind of has that moral kind of conundrum in which he finds himself to eventually become an abolitionist and kind of advocate for freedom, his freedom there. Right. And then you kind of see a repeat in every single story of that, uh, you know, Comet. Uh, birthmark character right trying to be free or set the truth um out in some way or another in every single story uh you know the one in which you know the uh Froberish's story was you know freedom at the end of a barrel basically um which one uh Froberish am i saying the guy's name right oh where he like committed suicide oh yes. like that's 1930s like oh the guy who's a composer yeah he's working yeah, with yeah. the composer but just through every single story whether it be um uh, 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 there's enslavement. There's yeah. this undertone of enslavement throughout this entire film through different means and, and yes, you know, different societal or cultural structures. Exactly, because like that composer, I mean, he didn't set himself to be enslaved, but then he got himself he got himself into the situation where he couldn't leave because he was employed by. This, I guess, legendary composer, this older man, he's the understudy to him. And then um, this character is gay, uh, the understudy. And I know, I think he was very, uh, probably bi. I think he was bi. Yeah, he was just a very fluid, artsy, bohemian 
a new individual. Uh, yeah, 20th yeah. He century just, he, kind of man. He just got around uh, mm-hmm. a little bit. <laughs> okay, but he he does have homosexual. He, yes, he likes yes. he likes men with with, with Smittix or was this his name? No, it was. Oh. Um, Oh, Did I just shoot. quote? Uh, 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 Did I just quote? Semitics. Oh. Uh, six myth. Six myth. Semitics. Yeah. Six myth. So, anyways, like he had this romantic relationship with one of his friends, who ended up being a guy, and uh, the older composer said, "You know, like I can ruin you, and you know your reputation is everything in this industry." And back then being you know liking men or being homosexual uh would blacklist you and so it's kind of like he's stuck in this position where he can't leave the composer because then his life would be ruined because he would just slander his name left and right and then he won't be able to get work he won't be able to finish his symphony of the cloud atlas so that's enslavement there and then with uh in the 1800s uh, we have Adam Ewing trying to help a slave who's trying to escape from slavery, uh, being a stowaway on the ship. So, and, and and he was just you know, and genuinely enslaved to the system and like his father's kind yes, of hold and exactly. things like that too. Yeah, and then we have like you know uh, modern day where this guy the, the old man. comically ends up in yeah. this nursing home and then he can't leave against his will and then the the far future where there's a dystopian society and then there's this rebellion against like it's almost like blade runner yeah it is it is and that, that's more of just like a there's like i don't know if they're clones or what is yeah. definitely engineered yeah. They're, they're like, yeah they're like engineered yeah. humans yeah. and that's like the enslaved people mm. but i don't see any sort of like um like i don't see that in the like the one that's the most post-apocalyptic society what what I would say, enslaved to fear, and I'm just saying the fact that that they live kind of a fear. Mm. Um, I it's very tribalistic. It's, yeah, it's yeah. very. It was very hard to kind of understand, even in the book, because it got just the way the guy talks in the movie is how the entire chapter is freaking written. That is the truth. Like like that it is. You so can imagine rude. like listening and reading mm-hmm. to that. You're like it's kind of hard to piece out. That's why again the. The book with the movie together kind of me and disguise builds it all to just mm-hmm. builds it all together. Where you're like, okay, I'm just like a really high Hawaiian dude. Like, what is that <laughs> yeah, like the, definitely... the vibe you get? Like, oh my god. Um, but just, uh, uh, I guess there's almost enslaved to not only fear but also enslaved to a negative degree to their religion and their tribalistic. Uh, uh, cultural um beliefs that kind of hold them back uh and to the point that you know even at the very end when you know Haley bear's character just kind of says like this you know you got all the like it was weird to even see again in the movie form which like the witch doctor lady brought out like what looked like an old person sewing of like a of, a, of like a psalms book almost mm-hmm. um and it was the story of yeah, Somni. Yeah, yeah, and it was just yeah. kind of what she's just saying, like she was just a normal person, and she had these wise words, and you know, it's she had that religious viewpoint, but that also that uh, uh, realistic viewpoint to where it didn't harm her from fear, from wanting to go to you know a new world or something. Right? Are you talking about the far future yeah, one? Yeah, far future one. 
Yeah, she, a lot of that was very like complex in my idea. So what, what's cool about this movie and the story is like we kind of see like the full human progression throughout the entire span of Earth, where it's like 1800s to like the future, and then post future where society collapses and then has to rebuild itself. But, and but there's like the a remnants. A, yeah, but there's a very advanced small sect. But it doesn't seem like it's. Here's the thing with that far future one. It's the, after the fall, so it's like after the technology like was like at its height, and then something happened, and then Overnight, society it's, collapsed. It's gone, and it's like dark ages. Yeah, what she was trying to do uh, on top of that mountain was to reactivate um, this communication tower to reach quote the colonies beyond Earth. Oh, is that what it was? I wasn't okay. sure what that was actually for. That's yeah, what she was saying. Because again, as I was watching it and reading it, I I wasn't sure. It's was like, oh, is she reactivating the nuclear power plant from the 1970s one? Like, <laughs> it was one of those yeah, things. That's just, what I thought it was too. Yeah, I thought, I thought she was like reactivating the like super unhealthy because, nuclear thing. Because if you guys if you guys notice for like a lot of the the the, the stories, there's like callbacks. Yes. To different stories, not only just through actual items, but locations. Mm-hmm. Like the nuclear one, like, oh, that happens in like San Francisco. Oh, that was the story number one. Exactly. Um, uh, but yeah, that's it, also something that it's, it's a lot easier to see in the in in the movie version of the passing off on physical items or people meeting. Mm-hmm. Where you're like, oh, that person was really young in the previous story, and yes. you know that you know that soul. Like, there's even that that there's even that that one. Remark that is made uh, by, hold on, I'm getting the guy's name really quick, uh, by uh, 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 Sixsmith to uh, Haley's Berry's character in the 1970s. Mm-hmm. And he was like, he was like, what's that birthmark? And she's like, oh, I've always had it. And he's like, there's someone I really cared about and knew who had that birthmark. And that's him realizing, oh, that's, you know, Frobisher's soul in a different, different body. And that's why I feel this uncanny connection like i've known you for a million years and i love you and i just met you it's like we're picking up you a know? conversation that we had in a previous life like like the mm-hmm. whole yeah and like but it was weird it was weird with like the hank uh the hank uh, the, tom hanks it was, sorry, yeah, t- the the, hank. The, the, <laughs> it was tom, different with the, the hank. tom hanks character as i was trying to hank say Hill. uh like when he was like oh i felt like i should know you like i even within a book form, I didn't understand that connection there. Like yeah. in the movie, form, I was like, "Oh, I saw Six Smith." I'm like, "Oh, I get this now." Mm-hmm. But the whole Tom Hanks before he gets blown up in the airplane and stuff. Yeah, I don't, I don't and really it, know where that familiarity kind of all goes connections back, comes to for somewhere. It kind of all goes back to that quote that I said, you know, yada yada yada, imagining us meeting again and again in different lives, different ages. It's like everything right. is, you know, all intertwined: past, present, future. It's all happening at the same time. The, there's also oh. another really good quote. I, I didn't actually, oddly enough, I didn't write it. Mm-hmm. I wrote it down in the book. I, I, I my notes. I didn't send it. Who to says you. it? I probably have it. Uh, I don't know who says it. I think it was Haley Beer's character. It says something like, uh, uh, "Life go, uh, love, your love goes on even after death," or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it was just like that, like, and, you, and they kind of show that throughout the different stories as one character passes into another character's story right. and mm-hmm. that original love that they, that the, you know, comic character kind of developed in there. Yeah. It was is, basically it, like it projects them on further in life to do other things, you know, things and like be good with other people. Yeah. It was basically something around like love is so strong that it can even transcend death. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I thought that was very good. I, I, I did not type out that quote. That is, this movie is so poignant on so many different levels. 
Because, like, you wouldn't expect that going into this because, like, you look at the poster, the Wachowskis, and it's like, this is going to be, like, a sci-fi movie. And then when you get into it, it's like this um, meditation on, like, past lives and what the soul actually means. Because, like, it gives you this thought experiment. It's like, okay, if we're bodies with a soul, like, this is just the vehicle for the actual thing, which is, like, our consciousness, our soul. And it's like... With that idea, it's like, okay, maybe we can live multiple lives throughout the ages. And it's like, and what this film does so eloquently is like, we have like our core ensemble cast, you know, Hugo Weaving, uh, uh, Tom Hanks, Halle Berry. And like these characters, these actors play different characters that go beyond race, gender, social status. Like we have Halle Berry, like she plays like, a white woman, a ginger, and then she... That's right. And Hugo Weaving plays like a nurse, like a very butch oh, yes, nurse. Yes, a woman, mm-hmm. butch nurse, yeah. even a Chinese, uh, or actually Korean, a Korean man. And it's like, whoa. That's right. Oh, in that futuristic kind of one? That was yep. Hugo, no, no, was Hugo so, Weaving. So, oh, no, like that... They gave him a dude, monolid. Dude, that, the, thing, <laughs> the thing that I thought was very interesting about like just that whole entire era with, with Neo Soul yeah. was... Uh, like that, like Caucasian Asian mix of like that's the new superior, uh, uh, pure blood. But the, the more spiritual, whereas the, everyone the pure blood proletariat, like that's um, we're seeing kind of as more usable and you know soiling green as it ended up being. Right. Um, and I don't know from like watching that. Unpack that a little bit more. So for those so that don't it, know. it so which one. The whole Neo Soul so, situation. So Neo Soul, that was the one in which it was the futuristic one where the where they were just copies of each other and just serving people and just didn't really have any free will. And that the it seemed like that the class that was in power was like a Asian kind of white ethnic mix, mm-hmm. but then 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 to where the pure bloods and by pure bloods I would guess I'd use the term like natives are then seen as more undesirable or kind of lesser than and it kind of to me it had uh a lot of commentary on like latin america today in which you have a spanish um mix with uh the native population but then you have the uh the oh i guess what's what's the term i'm trying to use for the, the the more native people so like the indigenous Mayan, indigenous that's what we look for where the indigenous people are kind of oppressed and they're kind of like looked down upon and they're a lot poorer and they're and, and coincidentally more yeah. brown yeah um and so th- th- that to me that's what the neo soul kind of vibes were kind of given off yeah so i saw it as the pure bloods were humans and the clones were just genetically the genetically modified, modified okay. Oh, okay organisms oh, oh, like so okay so right okay. so the way that i took it was when what, what's her name some some knee some knee when she was basically describing like oh that's for the pure blood i saw that it's just like for normal humans because the rest are just engineered you know it's kind of like the blade over runner thing yeah exactly replicants and humans yeah because like whether it's um genetically modified humans or maybe just like not uh, ethnically mixed humans, we still have this like slave class mm-hmm. of people in the future. And like, that's a really interesting, you know, commentary to make. And we have like, you know, like you said, Lucas, where the big revelation of the future is like, 
the slave class because like oh they they work they're working in the i don't know the beverage depot type the restaurant, restaurant type thing. it was like a futuristic fridays yeah <laughs> that's what it was yeah yes. basically yeah and like the whole like story with them because like that's their only purpose in life yeah, is and, to serve and like at the end they ascend and and it, yeah and it shows that it shows it pretty well in the movie but it's more it's more overt in the book because it's, it. because it's written in a, in a first first person narrative uh, section, and that way, again, very weird syntax, being all futuristic and, and lingo. Um, but there's this really big build up as far as like, oh, if we do good, and then once we get our twelfth star for our twelfth year, then that means that we are good to go, and we did our service, and we could get to go to Valhalla, and you know, whatever. And essentially. Uh, they're like there's like this like it's such an honor to do it oh my that's so great and they're so excited for you and it's it's a whole big you know they make a big ceremony out of it and then when she finds out and she when she gets her freedom and she and he's and the guy's like i need you to watch this and see this first before you so you know the truth Mm -hmm. of like what's really happening why we need this crazy what i'm doing for this revolution um and why you guys need to like break free from your enslavement Mm -hmm. is when she sees that, you know, they sit, you know, in the chair and they just, you know, puts a metal rod to their forehead and it just takes them out and then they soil and green them into food basically. And essentially it's just this huge, disgusting horror freak out where just realizing that imagine you're, oh, okay, you can told you to do good, do good, do good. You're going to go to, uh, uh, you know, Eden, you know, heaven basically only to find out that, oh, all it really means is that you're kind of past your prime, and instead of being past your prime, we're just going to take you out now because you're so replaceable, and we're just going to use food. And, like, the food that we're eating is just ourselves. And it was just, uh, it's again, it's shown very nicely in, in the movie, but in the book, because in a first-person perspective, it's, it just goes on and on about the disgustingness and the horror of it and why she is eventually at the end why she gets so committed to be so inspirational at the end do you think just like continuing that do you think that's a commentary on maybe factory farming today yeah i mean the, all of neo's soul and that entire story was was definitely a, a commentary on extreme and neo-capitalism and how just being too inhumane about like because Essentially, I mean, the book goes more into about it, about just like the thoughtlessness and and, and the, the carelessness of the the customers yeah. who come in there. Like you see it, the consumer. It, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, you see it in in more uh, uh, what's the word sexual harassment kind of manners. Uh, but the book kind of goes more in detail again. That level of differentness uh, divides them, right? Um, and yeah. So again, yeah, it, it's, it probably definitely is and. Um, I think the fact that it takes place in Neo Soul, mm-hmm. um, and that the all the characters who tend to be uh, in power or at least above them or abuse them seem to be more Caucasian in nature. You know, as we're talking about it, it just came to me like they're probably genetically engineered individuals because, like. They kind of have a. It sounds like they have a shelf life of twelve years. Yeah, they're just like clones. While, while humans obviously live longer, like a hundred years, so like twelve years, and it's like, oh, they're not going to be useful anymore because they're nearing their expiration date. Might as well just kill them. Oh, not only do we have to kill them, 
might as well just recycle them and grind them mm-hmm. up and use them as protein, as food supply for this huge, massive workforce that we're creating. So it's yeah. kind of like this vicious cycle, soil and green, vicious cycle of like, okay, that's a giant horror of their society. That's just my, my interpretation, but like I could see the way it was shown on film, like the all the workers were overtly Korean while yeah. the, the consumer classes were like a white Caucasian. kind of type yeah. thing, yeah. But they're also Korean though, like the consumers. Yeah, they're definitely Asian. Yeah. But um, those workers were d- definitely clones, I think, because there's... They all look the same and they're all women. Yeah, so there's one part when... Um, the factory? No, no, no. The the guy who's working for the composer... Frobisher? How do you oh, say his name? Yes. Frobisher? Frobisher? Yes. That's, so that's, when that, the, that blew the, my mind. Yeah, so when the guy is like, I heard this melody in my dream and it was weird. I was in a time beyond ours in a restaurant and everyone had, everyone had the same face. All the servers had the same face. So that makes you think about, okay, the near one. So what he did was he was sleeping and transcended in time to witness what was going on at the same exact time as his present day. Mm -hmm. And that's why I see it all as fluid within time. Like it's all happening at the same time. This doesn't happen like in chronological order because it's all happening at the same time. Yeah. Yeah, we're looking at it very literally, like yeah. A to B, but actually and they all, all these timelines are yeah. like stacked on top and of And they each all other. had different like dreams, so to speak, of yeah. these other timelines, and they would wake up from them in like a yeah. cold sweat, and they're just like, what the hell did I just witness? Whatever it was. Yeah. Oh my god. Okay. I'm gonna get I'm gonna get weird. I'm gonna go down Let's the do rabbit it. hole. Let's jump in. Okay. Let's get so, weird. So with the recent congressional hearings about UAPs and <laughs> Oh, it's going down that The line. whistleblower, uh, Grush. Uh, Are they actually time travelers? Yeah, he didn't want to say aliens. He's like, oh, that narrows the scope. I want to keep it wide open, the aperture wide open. So my theory on what the originators or the origins of these UAPs is that they're not extraterrestrial, as in like maybe other celestial bodies, but like other dimensions in time and other realities that they're breaking through. Like, because all these events are happening all at the same time right now. There's infinite versions of us throughout uh, time, time and space, and we can just <laughs> tap into that. As we could see with this film, because like we have these actors that are portraying six different people, and they're all seem to be intertwining at the same time. And yes, yes, and actually, um, on the way into this podcast this morning. My so my a few weeks ago, my buddy turned me on to this one podcast called uh, Radio Rental. If okay. you've heard of if you've heard of it, Radio so Rental. I personally love like these fictional horror type podcasts. So like Archive Eighty One, The Black Tapes. You like I, lore too? Lore, I love all that shit. But Radio Rental is based off of true stories, mm. so it's pretty cool. And you just said this about what if these UAPs are time travelers, or so to speak multi-dimensional I go through other dimensions and time the, the episode i listened to on my commute in, into the city today was this guy that claims to have had a glitch in the matrix moment where he wakes up from a night out with his friends and his girlfriend he's making coffee and stuff and he's got no idea where his girlfriend is because she's got like a weird schedule so it's not used to him it's, it's not weird if he wakes up without her yeah so what happens is he's outside having a cigarette and she walks up to him wearing clothes that he's never seen before on her and she's all pissed off and everything. 
So she runs into the, like his apartment, grabs her shit, leaves all pissy and whatever, get, gets in a cab, drives down the street and says, peace out. Four seconds later, he's hugged from behind by his girlfriend saying, what's going on? What's wrong? And what if this guy actually experienced time travel, right? And something happens later on in their like relationship. And uh-huh. she's like, fuck you. I'm going to take all my shit so that the past me doesn't have to deal with you in the future. That just made me think about this. And I just l- listened to this oh podcast like two hours ago. Oh my God. That's like, okay. So are you saying that in this story, um, he passed through different universes or this is like a future version of her interacting with him no, he was still in his present day, but yeah. a future version of her, I think, went back in time. It, the the wires kind of crossed for a second. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. So that it's... that brings me to a different quote within Cloud, Cloud Atlas. Atlas from what's the guy's name that writes the Cloud Atlas? Frobisher. Frobisher. Oh my gosh, I'm never going to remember that name. Frobisher. Frobisher. But um. Anything. He, so right before he commits suicide, he writes a, a love note to Sixsmith. Sixsmith? Yeah. yeah. And, uh, man, the names in this story, I know. man. I, Why can't they the like people Bob from the 1930s. Yeah, the people from the 1930s. So Edinburgh. he basically says in, college his, man. <laughs> in his note, he's like, I can feel your heart beating as clearly as I feel my own. And I know that separation is an illusion, speaking of his suicide. Mm-hmm. And he, he says... I believe my life extends far beyond the limitations of me. And okay. So I think he was trying to transcend into a different timeline because he knew that it, or, that it already existed in some sense. But, but, but also I, I think what that, sp- that speaks onto a theme that you see throughout the movie that little things people do or things that might be minor or kind of weird have future impact. Like the thing I thought was pretty like crazy and weird. I didn't notice the first time with the movie and I kind of didn't notice in the book, but you kind of notice it better in the movie is that, um, I, I'm going to pre- always pronounce the name wrong. Is it Yomi? Frobisher? No. That, that, <laughs> Yomni Park? No, no. The, uh, the, 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 Somni. Somni. Som- Somni. Yomni Park. Somni. write that down. Somni. Somni. Um, and North Korea, they make us eat locusts. <laughs> not good. That sounded <laughs> German. <laughs> Did not sound Korean. <laughs> Let's not try Korean. <laughs> uh, Some need. But I just thought it was pretty interesting that like, so the guy in modern day 2012 who was at the old folks home and his kind of trials there somehow got turned into his writings or t- thoughts because he, and I think at the end of it, you see him typing up that kind of like memoir type, that like script or whatever. Once eventually gets turns into some, you know, trivial British comedy show, which then some knee watches. <laughs> it was a movie of him. Yeah. The ghastly which, ordeal which, of which, Timothy Cavendish. Which, which, yes. which some knee watches and she finds his words, all these words and stuff to be inspiring. In which then she's, I will not be subject to criminal abuse. Exactly. And they and, watch that on repeat. And and, yes. and which then she just repeats all these different words in her own personal um, manifesto. Uh, not saying she, she does have her own words, but she, she brings incorporates it into her own manifesto, which then turns into a religion that the hunter-gatherer people are like really, really big into and like really like, no, no, it's what the book said. And you're just kind of like, it's so weird to see that and be like, wait, all this is just from... 
some trivial British comedy show yep. and they're making it to be like the, like the word of, you know, God. And so I kind of, I was kind of like looking at that and kind of seeing the final story and the end of it as far as like, when she kind of says like, you know, somebody was just a normal person. This is where she got her stuff from, da da da, and kind of really that Nietzschean, you know, God is dead and you killed him type thing, mm-hmm. like moment that I thought was very kind of interesting commentary showing how like different religions and morals constitute our future, but like we ourselves have to put that meaning on something to make that into like a religious text or right. follow so deeply devoutly to to you know to a T for no, you know, no. Uh, good reason for a certain time exactly because like let's 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 like track the whole line of progression with that so like it starts with uh uh timothy cavendish he gets fooled by his brother and he gets imprisoned in a nursing home and he can't escape and then he says like i will not be subject to criminal abuse and then i guess he escapes and then creates a tv show about or somebody yeah. creates a whole tv show about yeah. his whole thing and it's like a comedy and then fast forward hundreds of years to the future like thousands of years yeah so it's, this it's dystopian like, society gets a ha, clip has of like that a, line like, like, this, this dystopian society basically has a huge netflix catalog from the 2012 <laughs> and like someone's bored and like shit let me watch this we still have like video clips of uh charlie chaplin yeah. and that yeah. was over 100 years yeah. ago so like so far into the future france is gonna we last have the, forever <laughs> yeah we have this line i will not be subject to criminal abuse and it's all dramatized and it's like, oh, that inspired Sumni to like, okay, that's going to inspire me. It actually inspired Sumni's coworker, right? When her ass got grabbed, and then she was like, "I'm not going to." What, what, what I will not that? be subject to criminal. I will abuse. not be subject to criminal abuse. And she How do basically you know these words. She basically just like flees the futuristic Fridays and then you no know, dies. Yeah. But um, the one quote from Sumni that I think is the best quote in the entire thing is like what. Um, the revelation of Sanmi. And it's the very end part where she's like... Giving her manifesto. Her own manifesto where it's, our lives are not our own. From mm. womb to tomb, we are bound to others, past and present. And by each crime and every kindness, we birth our future. That's amazing. Mm. Right? It's true. It is. It's so true. Like, it's just interesting that she was inspired from that. And then she has a whole manifesto to free... Her fellow sisterhood, I guess, and alerting the whole world like there's this massive enslavement, this tyranny, oh, I, I, and then I, to the I think future, the like aware of it. that becomes a religious text. It's like, oh, it's like, and, and like the weird thing is that like none of the people shown look anything ethnically close to the people that she would have spoken to or free, and so it kind of was almost that like. That like Mohammedian, you know, Christian, yes. Christ kind of thing. Jesus, yes. Well, but even like, even like from Muhammad, like wait, you know, what are you talking about? Like 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 the fact that all the people, like the hunter gatherer folks, who were just like really religious about her, but even like the futuristic people, first century were, Palestine, that mm-hmm. huh? Uh, just going. Yeah, and it was kind of it kind of had like you know Jesus Muhammad vibes to it, where there are people you know today who look nothing like their current religious followers the Torah, the speak Bible, it and, you know mm-hmm. the Quran well, it was written in the perspective and for first century Palestinians yeah. and then fast forward 2000 years we have completely different culture groups reading this religious text mm-hmm. right. and applying it to their of lives. every right. religion of every race and ethnicity around the world for 
both of them, but all religions too. Yeah. And then Cloud Atlas, we have this manifesto of Somni, which is about the Koreans of that time. And then fast forward to the future, we have 2000 she's, years. She's, she's Tom Christ, Hanks you know, <laughs> yeah. uh, reading it like, oh my God, this is, this is our goddess. And yeah. then we have Halle Berry's characters like, no, she was a real person and this was our struggle. And then sh- she shows like a video clip of it, her it, saying it, these words. And, and then like, the one thing I had trouble figuring out, and I didn't, it wasn't really clear in the book, is that Bad Georgie. Bad Georgie. The the, the devil character. Oh, Hugo oh, Weaving? Like the, 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 like the, 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 the Schmeagol looking dude. Yes. Yeah, he's like a and like, leprechaun. And like, yeah, that, but like that, like <laughs> yeah. that was like that religion. Like it's weird how. That was in the book? Yeah, that was also in the book. But the okay. thing is, like, that's not from the, 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 the Somni part. That's like just the local superstitious. Uh, evil spirit that they kind of incorporated into their new religion type thing. Uh, uh, yeah. I thought it was Tom Hanks just being schizo. No, 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 no. I mean, well, it was. It is. It is the character being schizo. It's like the. It's the. Um, it's kind of like a. So, what's the word? Not, not, not like your subconscious, your negative side. It's your, the shadow. Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. It's like saying, "Hey, why?" Like if you see, you saw his progression throughout the entire that entire particular story in which he was. A coward and let you know Adam die, right? And because when those uh marauders came, he didn't help, that's right. But 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 then you see develop in which you know his own village gets there, and he you know he kind of I, I, he I don't mean to like I'm not gonna call him a coward, but like he grows he as an individual, but also he was very suspicious of outsiders and all this kind of negative thing and very you know religious, uh, but. Who's yeah. this yeah, bitch yeah, but coming to tell you what to do? And again, it's, it's, yes. it's if, if you guys <laughs> did that pretty well. If you guys, <laughs> if you guys ever read, uh, you know, Lord of the Rings and the, the you know, the Gollum no, Schmeagol, but I like the movies, the Gollum Schmeagol, like exactly, by, like it, it was written the same exact way, but again, like it was some surfer bro, you know, Hawaiian dude mm-hmm. talking. Yeah, like again, it was. That, I, that's why this this oh book, all six different stories, all told from a first person's perspective. But all in very different syntax. Like even like the Smitics, the Smitics one, that entire storyline is, is only told is only told through personal letters. Just like how, just like how the uh, the the, uh, the, the uh, San Francisco Sixth one. That's early San Francisco. His first Francisco name is one. Rufus, by the way. Rufus Sixsmith. That's a little bit better than Sixsmith. And yeah. then the uh, uh, like you know even <laughs> the even the the Sumney one. That one is told through uh, again, just like how the movie presents it through the interview process. Really? Yeah, it's told through like it's told completely through, like, through the interrogation. It's, and just like how that's right, just like how the nineteen thirties and then and the eighteen mm-hmm. hundreds one are told through personal letters. The person one went through a journal and one through those personal letters to, to Rufus. That is so, so cool. It's 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 different ways it's being told and like of course Oh my god. Yeah, and again it's 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 that's why watching the movie reading the book and watching the movie both help them both out because you can just see things easier because it's like it's a it's a heifer to get so when you think about it the whole movie is told verbally through the first person Mm. yes when you think about it actually yeah you're right yeah because even (laughs) like in like the 1970s version of tom hanks and halle berry um through halle berry's perspective the whole time well no no because right before tom hanks dies in the airplane there's a letter he's basically you know speaking in the first person and I have a quote. Yes. Of course I do, because I have 20 different quotes saved. It's an ocean, but a multitude of drops. Yes, exactly. But he, I'm just going to cut this quote in a third. And he says that at each point, 
of intersection, each encounter suggests a new potential direction, proposition. I have fallen in love with Louise Saray. Is this possible? I just met her, and yet I feel like something important has happened to me. Mm-hmm. And it's like that's when he realizes that he's been connected to her in the past, right? in the future. Right. And he's like, holy cow, now we just crossed paths again. And, and, and like the weird thing is that like in the – when 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 you see that like kind of in the movie context, there is the kind of confusion. You're like, oh, just because it's Tom Hanks and 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 Haley Berry, and they're going to be together. But in the book context, that is like the the, the sole birthmark, where the movie kind of muddles it and confuses it for that specific purpose because it's supposed to be. But the books lays it out more clearly that specifically just that particular soul, just like how Rufus also is like, I feel like I've known you, and I. But like the last time I saw someone that had that birthmark. It was someone I very much loved and cared about. Actually, and I, and, and, I, and I'm not sure who who Tom Hanks's character was. What was did Tom Hanks have a character in the previous? In, in, in Tom, Tom Hanks's in, character in, in the previous in, in, in the yes. in the in the 1930s one. 1930s. He Wait. was the on the oh, ship. Yeah. You mean? Oh no, 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 he was on the ship. He's a doctor, no, dude. In the, yes. in the 1930s, he was he, he was a desk clerk. But, yes, he was. Well, I'm not again. I'm not sure if it's just him as a character, as an actor, That's a very nice or if it was there's a certain coat. or his soul or something like that. That yeah, I know this movie's confusing. So. Yeah, so if actually, everyone's confused. Just watch it yourselves. You'd be confused too. The very first part of that quote that I just shared about Tom Hanks before he died, the first half of it is just like, okay, boom, right to your brain. Cause I just read it right now in my head and it's, you know what? I'm just going to, you know, tell you guys right now it is belief like fear or love is a force to be understood as we understand the theory of relativity and principles of uncertainty phenomena that determine the course of our lives. Yesterday, my life was headed in one direction today. It's headed in another yesterday. I believe I would have never done what I did today these forces that often remake time and space that can shape and alter who we imagine ourselves to be. And that's, that's the whole movie right there. Absolutely. Like this movie is like a machine gun of just the deep different thoughts. Things. It's like, so, Oh my God. So, so here's, here's something that I, I, I kind of noticed. I thought was kind of uh, uh, pretty awesome too. I, it, the movie talks and does show how like small and personal revolutions influence bigger ones like you'll see in the first story that as an individual uh I, i'm always forgetting this 1800s guy's name hemingway or adam ewing ewing ewing, ewing. you know his small his, his small revolution against the people on the ship about the about the uh, enslaved man right uh to his father and through mm-hmm. every single story you see some one having a minor revolution and those revolutions might be somewhat successful. They might not go out for the best for them, mm-hmm. you know, for sure and committed suicide, but it's everyone still doing something to push back. And those small revolutions eventually lead to bigger revolutions. We never see Somni's revolution, but we know what happens. There's some kind of collapse. Something happens for it to go out, mm-hmm. you know, just like how Christ never saw his revolution. Muhammad never saw his. Right. Um, I just did thought that was pretty pretty awesome, and just to kind of think about when you think of just how many small religious revolutions, like I said, between you know Jesus, Muhammad, or you know the 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 um, is it the Maccabeans for you know Hanukkah or whatever, um, but just you know everything from like you know Braveheart to uh, minor ones within the French Revolution and the English Revolution that was a success and then a failure and the future a future success, you know the John mm-hmm. Brown Revolt, um, you know Project Valkyrie. 
Mm-hmm. And you know, every single story kind of picks up on that. And sometimes it's successful, sometimes it's not, but it eventually influences the next story in some way. It's like little little fires, little sparks that create the giant fire of humanity just going against uh, oppressive nature, whether it's small, like uh, in the Pacific Journal of Adam Ewing, like racism to like the grand rebellion against a dystopian society and neo-soul. It's like it all leads up to just individuality and just humans just, you know, rebelling against injustice. Are, are they sparks or just a multitude of drops in an ocean? Hey, the is ocean it is, is it a current? <laughs> the ocean is the is the rebellion of individuality, and all these stories are the drops that comprise it. But side note, when you're like telling all these uh, historical rebellions from like the Maccabeans to yeah, like whether Project they failed Valkyrie, or successful, they still create something in the future. You know, I would love a Jewish version of Cloud Atlas, where it's like structured structured the same way, where it shows like the Maccabean rebellion against the Egyptians, or not the Egyptians, but the, the Maccabean rebellion. Romans. Yeah, and then like to like Project Valkyrie against the Nazis, that would be fucking sick. If, if whoever's listening, please make that happen. All right. So how about this? This what? is out of left field. Do it. But um. All right. So this came out in 2012, right? Yeah. Yeah. So what else happened in 2012 with the Wachowskis? Transitioning. They transitioned. Yeah. So what if this movie is their metaphor of going against everything? It, it and. It, they are playing a different gender now. It, but and also like the movies. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. News and commentary on like sex in general is very interesting too. Because like men play women, women play men, yeah, but the, but different but, races. But even the act in general is, is very, it's, played up in different ways you know right it's not stereotypical they're all yeah. like they become a different person you can't even tell that it's that actor sometimes or you have to like stare like yeah, oh, especially wait. like the the, the the butch nurse type thing that was like i had yeah, no I idea that that was hugo Weaving. you didn't know i didn't know either no, no, until at first until at first <laughs> and then i'm just like wait wait a minute that's gotta be very, hugo Weaving. that's agent smith yeah because his character was always like not evil but just like that darker character sinister in yeah sinister in every timeline except i didn't really see that character when it was the composer and um understudy he was more of just like an actual guy that wanted yeah. to play what the dude wrote right who was he oh no leaving? no no oh he played the nazi 
Was he a Nazi? The so, so do you remember that? I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure he played. I, I might be wrong, but I think he played. Remember that part? The, that part in which in which the older composer says, "Oh, I I brought in so and so from Berlin," and then all oh, that was and, him. And, and then all so of a he's a Nazi, and, and, and that was a weird vibe. And then all of a sudden, you know. Uh, Frobisher is having a conversation with the older. Is there, is, is no, having, you're right. It's having a conversation with the older, uh, with the older composer, and was like, "Yeah, why was he? Like, his vibe was weird to me. Why was he kind of standoffish to uh, Jocasta?" And he thought it was. He thought he was standoffish to Jocasta because uh, that she was like more like not white, being like colored, because she's you know. She's, I think she's still African. She's Jewish. I, I, I know, but that's what I'm trying all. to get at. But 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 also but also it's funny that you kind of pick up on. Not only that the composer having a disgust for her for her because she's Jewish, but also so the blatant kind of homophobia and stuff, especially after the uh, the nineteen thirty three uh, or thirty two, the purge of one of Hitler's generals who had like a gay Nazi cult uh was a interesting no, 100% no legit oh oh it's 100% true it's i remember when i first found out about a it and gay i thought it was, Nazi it was legit and it was it was uh the auxiliary to like basically the ss with before the ss i'm not surprised because nazism it's, has I, kind of this infatuation I, I, with homoeroticism i first learned about but the thing is they purged this out and that's when they used to have a lot of uh, gay people in there, yeah, and the naked Nazis, men statues, then, super buff. Yeah, and then but, but then after this, this is when they, you know started sending uh, individuals of that sexuality to uh, not a good place. Here you go. Side tangent yes. back onto the original side tangent. Oh, sorry. The, the Wachowskis revealed their transitioning while promoting Cloud Atlas. Oh, oh okay. There's, there's you know they are, live down the street, right? Do they really? They live in Chicago? No, they, they live, fucking don't. They live in Andersonville. No, wait, for real? Stop. I'm dead serious. Oh, no, they live, wait. They Why can't we get them on Lana this podcast? Lana Wachowski lives in Chicago. Specifically, uh, of all the times Anderson. I tell you every time I, I tell you I go to Andersonville all the time, you've never mentioned that to me. And why couldn't we get her on this podcast? <laughs> like, imagine that. I told one of my friends on this podcast, like, if I ever bump into her, I'd be like, yo, uh, Matrix Revolution sucked. <laughs> but, hey, but here's suck. a question: Would you know they're bumping into? Probably not. I would. Think so. <laughs> here's the thing: though. They, they, there's been so much change that I, I honestly don't, I don't, I can't even, I can't tell you because I know every single time I've seen different photos of them, usually it's like different hair colors. And it was like, yeah, from like a very cosmetic standpoint, yeah. I don't think I could pick, be able to pick them out like in I a respectful probably, manner. I could probably pick out Lana. I don't know about the other one. I don't know her name. Yeah, the Wachowskis. I feel like Lana always has like that dreads. That like pink, yeah, that, yeah. She always has that like, different colors though. Yeah, she's always she's goth dreads. I feel like yeah, like punky. Yeah, L- Lana's always like peacocking. You know, right? She's always peacocking while her sister is always just like more like conservative, like in the shadows. Isn't that always the case? Hmm. Look at me. <laughs> the other person's like, don't look at me. Maybe she's a Leo. You know. I'm a Leo. I'm, I'm like a that. Li- I'm a Libra. You're a Libra. I'm a Capricorn. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. Just leave me alone. So um, I, I have another point I would like to bring up. If Please do. I thought it was a pretty cool thing about. It's a so, gay Nazi. Bro, she lives in Chicago? I, see, I, I'm equally, I, I'm so spavagasted. Her- I'm just not saying as much as you are. <laughs> George Lucas lives on Michigan Avenue. He does? Yeah. Partially, though. Because his, because his, his wife. His wife is from Chicago. Yeah. His wife wanted the. Star Wars, Museum. Star Wars Museum should have been Chicago. I would have said that as a Lucas and a Star Wars fan. <laughs> so I thought on, that, the heck, I thought his permanent residence was at 900 North Michigan, which is 
that Bloomingdale. Why would he not be living in no California, way. like Skywalker Ranch kind of area? Well, because the penthouse up there is unreal. It's oh, I insane. can imagine that now. And I think I found this that out where from I write my movies. Yeah, I think I found that out from the architectural tour or something. something some tour told me that. I forget his name, but uh, he directed Star, Star Wars. Wars. You know, the guy that came up with it. Yeah, <laughs> he directed so. Star Trek, something like that. <laughs> something in That's the stars. It. He lives up there. You know, uh, Dancing with the Stars. That's One what of them Disney Plus shows. Some about a, a dog. The Mandalorians. And a, a, some big dog, the name, uh, uh, what's it? Chewbacca stuff? with Han Solo. The Dark Vader. So anyways, like, yeah, all of all of the films, including the first Matrix, has references to Chicago. Wait, 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 the Matrixes? Did yes. Wait, wait, did this film? We're going off uh, Franklin and Wabash, and it's like they name all these Chicago streets in the film, and they have like a thing called Loop on the su- oh, in, the, yes. in the subway. And I'm yep. like, yep. is this filmed in Chicago? It wasn't, but <laughs> but they put the homage. They to put it. all the references hey, to hey, Chicago. If, okay, but that but that's kind of cool because they make Chicago references, even though like the computer generation is of it to be like a New York or something like that. But that's that's kind of mm-hmm. cool then. Jupiter Ascending also took place in Chicago, which was a film they made as well. I've yet to see that. It's trash. Okay. <laughs> like all of their films. Besides oh. this one. Besides this movie. I want to see it though. I've, I've had it like in my queue to watch for years and I just haven't watched it. So so it, am, I, am I good to bring up another point? In Please tangent? do. Okay, so the one thing that kind of was really vibing with me that was a really thing about this movie is each story, but the movie as a whole, uh, as a bit of a retelling and allegory to the Book of Job, meaning that you constantly see through every single story uh, that the individual has something good going for them. They go through some trouble. They immense. They create some immense loss, and they wonder why. But then every single time they somehow find some kind of happiness again, you know, with the one case not being, you know, Frobisher, but Frobisher, but, but it's Smittix that is the Jobian character. Six Smith. Six Smith. Yes. Thank you. Rufus. You know, Rufus. The the Jobian character being that like, it shows through that show that, 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 uh, um, 1970s one that he is able to, while he isn't, you know, not married and, you know, as an older gay man or whatever, but he does have that family with his, mm-hmm. with his, uh, niece or, or granddaughter, whatever yeah. you call her. And what um, does she look like? She looks just like Somni. Yes, that's right. If you pause the movie and look at the oh, photographs. Yeah. It's the same. I it's, forgot about his because she came in the very, very yep. last. It's Somni. Yep. That's right. And he never found happiness. He was shot in the face. Oh well, no, no. Well, yeah. I mean, well, the, the book goes on a lot more about her really pushing that it was definitely mm-hmm. not a suicide for one. Mm-hmm. No, but I mean, by, by wait, what wasn't a suicide? No, the, the, when the police find him, they they say, "Oh, oh this yes. is." She's like, "He wasn't yeah. suicidal. I just saw him the other day. Mm-hmm. He was some guys after him." No, but I'm saying the fact that in the by finding happy, meaning he was able to move on. He was always still sad, but he still could. The but the point the whole entire point of the book of Job is not so much like ah you know God's a terrible person and just wants to screw with me. It's about the human condition and saying life is going to have you know peaks and valleys, but just because you lost something that you loved and care about doesn't mean one you can't find some kind of happiness again. It might not be the same kind of happiness, but that doesn't mean that you can't still draw on the love and the positiveness That's from right. that previous memory. And you kind of see that in every single story. Totally. And and again, not so much in like the Neo soul type thing. That was a different thing, but you see that essentially in the very final episode on the, uh, in the kind of Hill, the Valley people or whatever it was, 
you know, which, you know, he lost. Again, the book talks a lot more about him losing his family, how his daughter's all he had, and, you know, the Raiders kind of come in and things like that. Um, and he's kind of more, the book, again, talks more clearly. It's kind of more inferred when the, all these kids are calling grand, you know, grandpappy or whatever um, at the end. But he does fall in love with the Haley, with the, the Haley Berry character and is able to kind of have that relationship uh, on from his wife that had died previously from the Raiders or something like that. Mm-hmm. What happened to his daughter? Uh, she, 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 she didn't get killed by the Raiders. No, the no, movie. she didn't get killed. She was, she was she saved. somehow survived. She survived yeah. and she, everybody else died. Yeah. Everyone dies. Yeah. In this movie. She, she ended up, I think, I don't know if she had grandkids or whatever, but she hid in a bush and survived. In the end, you know, when they point at the stars and they're like, Oh, that one's earth. Yes. That kind of thing. Which implies that she did get into contact with the other colonies, uh, past earth, meaning that. Humanity survived even after the fall, technologically speaking. Oh, oh, oh uh, I think here's, here's the paraphrase of the, the quote. I, I can't say the same quote, but like, love can't outlive death. Like, that was one mm-hmm. of the quotes, like, Haley Berry's. And like, you can see a lot of that in the show and in every single episode. And when I say that, it's like, yes, Frobisher kills himself and he was like, what am I going to do? And also, he was wanted for murder. So, I mean, he kind of had a lot of crazy stuff going on with them. Um, but like, through his letters, like, that he wrote to, um, to Rufus, that it's Haley Berry's character that's reading it and still seeing and understanding that love that was still there, and I thought that's really beautiful, you know. Also, one thing I also very noticed is a very interesting use of any of the the uh, any of the black characters. They were always they would never put them in a in in a role in which they were subservient, and at times in which you thought they were subservient, they broke the mold. Whether it be yes. the slave, whether it be Haley Berry being you know stopped as far as a reporter or whether it be um uh uh the security guy for like the nuclear people mm-hmm. um not that that was kind of pretty interesting and uh the one other thing i noticed that was kind of it kind of had elements of it but it, this is super interesting that you brought up the uh the uh the wachowski uh siblings transitioning is that it somewhat breaks the mold of like the sad gay Hollywood story where like, ah, oh, you know, they're not going to be happy. They die, da, da, da. And yes, there is that certain element to it. And, you know, to the point that, that the, you know, the Wachowski siblings cannot change, you know, the, the, the entire book to make it more, um, more or less that kind of sad story. But they, they do put a heavy emphasis in which, uh, essentially, Frobisher kills, you know, uh, in, in in accident or in rage. Vivian, yeah, Vivian, the uh, aging it, composer. W- once he once he uses a gay slur at him, and so I thought that was a very interesting power dynamic that you don't necessarily see in movies too much, in which like, oh, the gay guy is being harassed, and then he takes people you know, like you don't pull the trigger. Exactly, they never do. But the, but the thing is, hear this: Did he mean gay people or cowards or both? Either way. Or, you know, or just that feminineness means, therefore, you are a coward. Twinks. (laughs) 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 And, uh, but I did think that there there was a very more, it was more, like I said, it's mentioned in the, in the book, but I think it comes off a lot more dramatic and I'm not going to take this down and being belittled for my gender 
identity and preference. And I thought at, at first when I viewed, when I was first watching the movie and I was like, Oh, he dies. Oh, this is a sad story. The more I thought about it, I'm like, okay, they do give some redeeming elements in which they're trying to pack, push back against that very negative stereotype that Hollywood does. And that isn't a good perception uh, for, you know, gay and lesbian people and to, to kind of deal with and see that, Oh, I only got a sad life, not a happy one. Right. It's like for straight people. And it makes sense given that the people that adapted this book are LGBTQ. Yeah. So it's like, of course, they're going to tell an interesting story for people that just happen to be gay. Exactly. It's it's more nuanced and more natural. And it's like it it touches like every single one of these stories touches upon the human condition in some way, shape or form. And for this story that takes place in the 1930s, it just happens to be with two homosexual people. Did did you guys also pick up on the on on the interesting the funny literary reference that the uh, Vivian made when he was like when he was joking around about not caring that 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 uh, Jocasta was sleeping around? Yeah. No, uh, he basically made a joke. So Jocasta was the wife of Oedipus's father, and so he made a joke and just basically said, "Oh, you know, yeah, she sleeps around because." She's like the horror of Babylon because she's Jocasta because, you know, like it's within Greek mythology and the story of Oedipus and that basically you can't like trust Jewish people and that's all they're kind of good for is just help, help, help and take care of him and be like an arm piece, but he's never going to truly respect her. I did, thought that was a very interesting thing there. Oh, didn't Oedipus... Slept with his mom, Jocasta, Yeah. Right? Yeah. Okay. But that, that, that's the reference he was making is like, oh, I know I don't even care. Oh, okay. And he's like, he's like, he's the fact that you're, you know, bi or whatever and you're just very flagrant, you know, shows that I don't have any respect for you in general. Mm. Like for you or her. So he's just showing that kind of 1930s, old timey, uh, Victorian aristocrat kind of like vibe. Yeah, he is. Or technically Victorian is mm. after, yes. but yes. he's Jeez, old. Yes. Mm. <laughs> Speaking of things that hooked you, did the opening like two sentences hook you in like the first 30 seconds of the movie? No. So <laughs> it, it starts with Tom Hanks's character looking up in the sky, looking up the sky and he's like old, right? Like, because it starts when he's old and yeah. ends when he's old. Yeah. So it's grandpa. Um, tell me a story. Yeah, basically. And he's like, ah, oh, Babbitt's bawling, wind bitten the bone. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, he goes on to say, he goes on to say, um, Wind like this, full of voices. It's the antrest, it's the ancestry howling at ya. Yibberin stories, all voices, tied up into one, one voice different, one voice whispering. Now imagine every single mm. chapter being like that in a story. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Like <laughs> the way that the way that they have this language set out. I mean, who? That's imagine writing, like trying to write that yeah. and come up with that. Like, and 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 that's why when I started the podcast, when it was far on the on the the podcast talking about the book, like artistically, that very creative. It, Every single story is within that first person kind of almost narrative in very different styles of writing. It's sometimes more flowery, it's 1800s, or it's more Britishy, or it's more neo-soul, uh, so therefore it's more structured kind of like, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like neon punk type thing? Um, where like they're, they're wor- like cyberpunk. They're, yeah. Yeah. They're, yeah. 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 Their, their language is very, is very strict like and short mm-hmm. and kind of things like that. Not a lot of flow into it versus like what English can be at times or is at times. Well. It's more, uh, what's the word? Uh, direct. Yes. Yeah. Uh, but, 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 but even yeah. like, even again, again with the, with the, the Valley people mm-hmm. that 
it's it, it's it's almost like reading it's almost like reading Mark Twain for the first time and you're like, oh wow, he like knew how these how in, formerly enslaved and slave spoke. And so the fact he can write in that dialect, you gotta use your different side of the brain because you're not coming out your natural side, you're coming as a different person. For sure. Yeah. But like going back into this movie and just knowing that there were so many different stories all going on at the same time before I watched it again, that being the first sentence that really came out, it's like, holy shit. They tell you right in the beginning that this is all tied together in some way, shape, or form, even though it spans multiple timelines, multiple ages. And as I paused it, had to think about it for a second, and I was like, all right, I'm going to continue because I didn't catch that the first two times when I saw this. Because you're in theaters, people are farting, yeah, popcorn, You also have no slurping. idea what this shit's about. And then you're like, wait, this is all a whole bunch of different stories and he tells you right in the beginning, like, oh, that's the ancestors yelling at you. In one voice. All one voice. Yeah. Let me unpack that a little bit more. Pete, for you to exist, you need two parents. Mm-hmm. And then four grandparents. Mm-hmm. And then eight great-grandparents. Yep. And then 16 great-great-grandparents. Yep. So, like, if you... I mean, it's, it's truly, just a couple steps back. It's it, hundreds yeah. of people, it's, thousands of people it's for truly, you to exist. Exactly. It's truly the lottery of the universe. Life? Yeah. Your life is the lottery of the universe. Not only is it that, but you're also the culmination of generations and thousands of people are living through you right now. The cosmos is going through your veins right now. Like it's thousands, millions, billions of mm-hmm. years culminating for you right now to be on a podcast. Exactly. And this is nothing <laughs> but a split second in the past of what's going to happen a billion years from now. Yes. This is but a fleeting moment. Life is but a vapor. Yep. Quickly dissipated. It's a quick puff of e-vape cig smoke. <laughs> in butt. Long as you're over 18, kids. Or 21. <laughs> but like, yeah, we are the culmination of all mm-hmm. of our ancestors. They are all their victories, all their, um, all their victories, all their falls, all their troubles. But, but, but the movie coursing all, through our veins but right the, now. The movie shows at the same exact time why you are, yes, you are a product of your ancestors and your environment, but also it shows that you constantly can push to make your own way for something new, yeah. whether that be, uh, Again, for the fifteenth time, eighteen hundreds man, uh, Adam Sixth Ewing, 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 oh, Ewing, 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 Adam Ewing. Ewing. Yeah, wasn't there a sports player named Ewing or something? That's Patrick, Ewing. it's a pretty popular yeah, from the nineties. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, he broke the mold of the morals that were passed down to him from his family and his environment. And he's like, you know, I'm not cool with slavery. This is bad, you know. And that every single kind of generation there shows that they're kind of breaking their own mold or like their influence in a positive way you know the night Halle Berry is a 1970s character she's like she mentions constantly how much oh you're just like your father you know but that was like a positive thing she took from it Mm -hmm. yeah and her father was do you catch that who her father was no I saw the picture but I don't remember which actor it was so this is what I put together so um he's a nom he so (laughs) her dad her dad, so 1970s Halle Berry, her cinematic father is the guy who's also the slave that's freed by Ewing. So that's him. So basically, if you rewind, 
the white dude that saves Ewing from slavery, um, or- Halle Berry's dad does that for the like the other black dude in present day by saving his life in Vietnam. So it's like because he was saved in a past life as a slave, mm-hmm. he sli- he saves oh, someone so, else in so, Vietnam. So, oh my God! It's not the actual person because oh. it'd be over a hundred, but well, like yeah. his son so, or so, grandson. So, so you're saying so you're saying that the security guard character mm-hmm. was in Vietnam yes. with her dad, yes. and her dad was the same guy <laughs> jumped that, on a bomb that, 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 to was, save his company, and that was the white character from the. No, 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 or, no, or the, 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 the black character so the guy the that was a slave why was i why was i thinking that the, the guy that played the slave character was the same exact guy that played the security guard lead character no no, no, no you're so confusing the, so the way okay, that yeah. was the servant the oh, waiter there was a servant from yeah. okay not okay the slave he's like oh he's like, oh, okay. he's like, oh, oh yes yeah. tutu left real good yeah that was that guy <laughs> okay so yeah. but in the way that the save the slave's life was saved by ewing the white dude in turn the saves, the sl- saves the slaves' future lineage mm. saves another person in Vietnam in order to allow them to have freedom in their yeah. life and not you know perish in Vietnam. It's like poetry; it rhymes. Yes. Oh goodness. <laughs> By the way, uh, did anyone? So with the uh, the the British uh, the, the old British comedy guy. Oh yes. Um, um, did, Timothy Cabbage. Did anyone kind of, I mean, just from a purely like actiony movie and like uh, shock value, kind of like really enjoy that rooftop like uh, editors kind of scene with Tom Hanks? Like I saw that, and I was first time I saw that, mm, I was mm-hmm. like, wow, it was crazy. Then the second time I saw it, when I rewatched the movie, I was like, you know, I kind of got like House of Cards vibes. <laughs> that was pretty, <laughs> that was unexpected, but pretty like. Pretty pretty wild scene, and like I thought about that, and I was like, "Shit!" As like a marketing technique, that oh, actually that, absolutely like 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 like, like, I, like, and also just like watching the like like just like watching that scene, you're like, "Yeah, a lot of commentators and editors are just a holes that don't yeah. do anything themselves," and like yep. you kind you were like, "That was a pretty brutal act," but the same exact time, you're like. You know, that guy kind of, you know, I kind of felt that man too before. So I'm critiquing my word. They don't yeah. really do anything. I'll, I'll be honest, like <laughs> with as much talent that Tom Hanks has, that is the worst character he's ever portrayed in anything but that I, I've but, seen. But, but, but I think he was supposed worst to be. Worst as in bad or badly acted? Poorly acted. But but I think he was supposed <laughs> to be, he was supposed to be like that, like kind of like hoodie, trashy, like British white uh, like poor white character. Oh, bruv. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that guy. Yeah, I, I don't. Oh, I bruv. Yeah, <laughs> you know where a guy like he's like I'm not normally in this kind of scene and atmosphere. I think he was trying I'm to sorry play that it. knuckle sandwich didn't perform very well. Like, and I, I'm I'm very. I, I think he, I think he just was specifically trying to play that crashness of a character to be a fish out of water mm-hmm. and show why his rage, not why his rage is there, but like how you're like oh, why his shit, rage I, was know, justified when not justified but you're like mm-hmm. oh i could have seen some million miles coming like after it yes happened. yes okay like I, I think he acted it very very well as far as just being like uh, I, I i i guess maybe it's a different you've never seen it, it's uh, a different things play it, that type it, of character it, it's before. A, well, yeah but also it's, it's a, maybe it's a stereo it's a, a brass it, english it, man it, it's not it's not a, when i say stereotype i mean like a character stereotype archetype. May, the archetype maybe that um, most americans aren't like really used to seeing in our movies 
versus like a lot of times people are like, oh, Ollie is funny because that's just kind of weird. But then you see other people that actually do that and you're like, oh, that's not just a thing. Like it's weird to Yo us because man, it's, like, uh... it's weird just because they're British. You're like, we're not – the accent just throwing me off right now. Yeah. I don't know. It's just the whole the whole character threw me off and I was like, this is not That was Tom such Hanks. a – that was such a jarring – not jarring, but like I – that subverted my expectations for that scene. Like he was going to throw mm-hmm. – so like this critic gave a scathing review of uh, his book, Knuckle Sandwich – and then, so what does he do? He throws them off. Off a building. You see him die. His head splits on the concrete. Yep. And then his book becomes a bestseller. Yep. <laughs> yeah. And, and the thing yeah. is, like, you look and you're like, you know, how how often do people, before a movie comes out, before freaking Ariana Grande or freaking, you know, Taylor Swift go on tour and they're like, oh, here's a controversy and a breakup. And they give some notoriety. This is just an extreme version of that. I mean, that's like when Trump was first elected, right? Oh, yeah. Same, you know. What do you do? No, it was just all the it was all, it was all the negative publicity, and that was the best publicity for him. He would just create the controversies that just change the story to get publicity, and I it was the same like an extreme manner, like murder. But I yeah, he didn't murder stuff. someone off a rooftop. <laughs> but like, yeah, I know, I, I, you know, I know. Well, he, that was Hillary Clinton. <laughs> <laughs> I could have shot someone on Fifth Avenue. Nobody would care. FBI agent, we're only joking. <laughs> Noted. Just like this show. Noted. It's just like this movie. It's all hypothetical. Hypothetical. Yeah, but uh, on a side note, did you notice that uh, Adam Ewing was also the interrogator in yes. the future? Yes. Talking wait, wait, to... I, thought the, I, thought the, I thought the interrogator in the future was... Uh, was uh, Hugo Weaving? No, that was a different Hugo character. Oh, wait, no, no, Hugo no, 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 Weaving no, no. was like no, no. in one so, scene. Ewing, no, Ewing was the dude that saved... Oh, yes. Yeah, some yeah. lead. Yes. Wait, you're right. Sim, sim, he was the Neo character. Somni, some, somni, somni. Is that her name? It's Son Son Me. Son Me. So, Son Me. Four yeah. five he played. One. He played. Uh, hey Joe. Hey Joe. Son Chang. Yeah, he was the and Neo was, character. He, so, so he so, looked like Neo. So dressed like Neo. Looked like Neo. Like Neo. Yeah. But like so. All right, let's let's jump into that part because Neo, <laughs> yes, no, because <laughs> the Matrix. The this one. this is like the Wachowskis film, and that's why I was like, is this Matrix? Yeah. So, <laughs> but like, you get like hints of like the Matrix. You get hints of fucking like Equilibrium. Oh, you yeah. get like yeah. all these little bits and flavors, and I think that's why this movie kind of flopped, but also because no one really knew what it was but if you're like an actual like literary nerd you know what cloud atlas is i had no idea what the fuck it was but when it came out critics were like if there's anyone to make a film adaptation of this book it would have been done it's the wachowskis because it's near impossible to create an actual cinema version of this beginning to end right how do you make a cohesive story and, of six and, different and, stories and, and the thing i can't remember the order but the wachowskis change the order that goes out uh, goes out slightly something i think maybe with the some part they, they change one or two scenes out of order but it just makes the flow better in a mm. cinematic way and again when i was reading it i noticed it but when i watched the movie i, I couldn't even tell you what scene because it was it went smoothly mm. yeah well, I mean, yeah, makes and like, sense. that's what, like, again, that's what hooked me because, you know, back in 2012, I was 22 years old and love sci-fi, love just really cool cerebral type movies. Yeah. And like, I'm, I'm not a comedy guy. I can't watch comedies. You got to pay me to watch them. 
That's why I didn't see Barbie yet. It's not, it's not a comedy. I want to see that though. Like I'm, I'm really hyped to see Barbie as much as I'm hyped to see Oppenheimer hey. as much as I'm hyped to see Saw 10. Oh, so, um, but yeah, and it, like something about the way that the Wachowskis direct is what pulled me into the trailer and then pulled me into what this movie was about. And then, yeah, it took me a few times watching it to truly understand beginning to end and how everything's correlated and yeah. tied into each other. But I remember when I first saw it, and I was like, dude, Armand, you got to see this, man. You got to check this movie out. And I was, you know, I was hyping it up just as I do with other movies. But yeah, man, that's another thing that just, you know, pulled me into it. Yeah, this movie is, like I said in the beginning, it's a meditation and it makes you rethink reality itself because it's like, what if this is true? What if it like some elements of this story that either we are the culmination of our ancestors, maybe we are our ancestors, they're living through us, or maybe we're just one soul going through many different lives in different order and meeting the same people over and over again. It's like this endless dance throughout time and space. If if yes. it's probably all that, if if not just an incredibly quotable book and movie like i, I know you said you've mm-hmm. had a bunch you had i think i, I was i was looking up some now like <laughs> i just have some now i'm just like looking up there's like a half road book is a half finished love affair yep. like that comes early something that's like books don't offer a real escape but it can stop the mind from scratching itself raw like boredom yes or like a lot like and i can definitely and like that quote like really vibes with me because one of the partial reasons why i read this book in the first place was just because after grad school and stuff with covid like i felt like oh okay i'm not with people, I'm not always hanging out with you, Armand. Okay? You read this during COVID? No, no, I read this uh, after COVID. But like, I did, I did. Like, uh, I was gonna say, like, damn, you're bored. Hey, 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 when when did COVID COVID ended and started and ended for differently for different people? For me, it was for three years, and I uh, three years at home for the work and stuff. But like, definitely, like, one reason I read this book is just because I felt like I was bored with after, you know you know, school and stuff like that. And I'm not always hanging out with Armand, the, mm. these crazy intellectual conversations hey. with, uh, but it, it, it just is something that is immensely like quotable. Yeah. And that's, that's one thing that I've done with cloud Atlas that I haven't done with many, actually anything else, truly any other medium, whether it's film, TV, music, you name it. I legit paused this movie more times than I can count just to write down a quote or to search for the quote online and save it because there's, they are that good. I think the the last movie that I had seen that was, I think this good, that I thought was really like thinky cerebral. And I know I mentioned Armand earlier, uh, Mr. Nobody, like mm-hmm. I said, like Mr. Nobody vibes as far as just complexity and cinematography and colors and, and, uh, uh, quotes and everything like that. Remind me, what was the main theme of Mr. I've seen it once. Mr. Nobody is essentially, uh, it's like, it's like a better version of the Ashton Kutcher movie, Butterfly Effect. Uh-huh. And so basically it's just this, this butterfly effect kind of reincarnation kind of thing in which the individual's life can go different ways and different ways to it. It's it's also like an allegory of like you know 
the book of Job to a certain degree and, and, and a lot of things are, but, uh, yeah, it's just, it's just peek and see different ways, different paths of life go out and by different decisions. And they're all like color coordinated with different like women and love interests and different decisions. And there's some goofiness and some thinkiness into it. And uh, I just it's, remember it's it was two and a half hours. Well, I mean, this movie was like over two hours too. That's right? true. Was this was like three hours. It was almost three hours. Hey, yeah. hey, at least two hours, the, fifty minutes. Hey, at least the characters, you know, don't really change as much. And is there nobody? But you're like, ah, oh, Tom Hanks was, he was a crazy, you know, guy stealing someone's teeth in this one, and now he's a good guy in this one. Okay, now That's he's true, true. He yeah, killed he, someone in this one, and now he's okay, a scientist. Now, now he's, he's like coward in this one. Okay. <laughs> yeah, talk about just like a full spectrum yeah. of what you got to do as an actor. Tom Hanks nailed it. But one thing, I remember going into it and just being hyped about this movie before I even saw it and just, you know, watching the trailers and everything when it first came out, knowing that Hugo Weaving was going to be in this, I thought that he was going to have a, a role just as large as Agent Smith. That's what I wanted. I wanted that so much. You want him to be the main antagonist. Yes. I wanted that throughout all time throughout. and space. He's yeah, destined there was to no be main evil. antagonist. Though, there right? wasn't. There was. But he was always like there. In every storyline, he's always like there as as that antagonist. But I just I really wanted like an Agent Smith esque character. Um, guys, are you? We've been talking about this movie. For yeah, I, minutes. I, I went through all my notes, uh, quite frankly, and all my little tangents of everything I had thought. Of. There is so much to truly unpack. Like, what else do you want to talk about with this? Because I feel like we can go on for hours. Are you ready to get off the fence on a nope. few questions? Let's keep going. <laughs> uh, I like fences. Mm-hmm. Build that fence. What are your thoughts on the film's non-linear narrative structure? Does it enhance or detract from the overall storytelling experience? Now, Lucas, you've both read the book and seen the movie, and you detailed what works and what doesn't work. So this movie is non-linear. Does that enhance it? I think it enhances it. It leads to creativity. There's a, again, with the, stories being written in different first-person perspectives and different syntaxes and, and communication styles. Um, it's hard to show that in in the movie, but I think going back and forth, people are talking different times, and it, it leads to more, something more creatively interesting that because the movie within itself is a very cerebral and thinking movie, by shifting around, you kind of definitely have to pay more attention. Mm-hmm. And I think that kind of just makes the movie more valuable because it's forcing you to watch and listen. Right. What about you, Pete? I think it also enhances it. Um, I mean, like when, when you're watching this thing, like for me early on. So, well, when I first saw it, I saw it as, okay, beginning to end, this all happened in the past. And now we're in the deep, deep, deep future. Yeah. So when I watched it a second time and when I watched it a third time, I went into it thinking, okay, what if all of this is happening at the same time? And then when I started, you know, writing down all these quotes that I thought were just like mind blowing, the way that they are describing their own personal present days, it's as if everything truly is all happening at once. So I think the way that's laid out is how it should always be for the story. Because if you do have a point A to point B, I don't, I, I I just don't think it's the same effect. It doesn't right. show the connectivity. Yeah. Right. Like you have to be like, oh, this is yeah. like. It's a whole spider web. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. I think it enhances it as well. Because like Pete, we did uh, Arrival and that also forces you to perceive reality in a different way and, and time differently. 
And I think you going in with that mindset of like, okay, this is all happening concurrently and not like straight A to B. It just, that's like the, the key to unlock this story. And it makes so much more sense that way. Yeah, totally. Cause like I looked at like reviews for this film and this film has not been reviewed favorably. And I think this is going over a lot of people's heads. Yeah. And that's just because I feel like people, I think, they they want like that normal cinema formula, right? I want to be comfortable. Exactly. We're Spider Man. <laughs> if it gets more complex than, than Memento, then they're like, I can't really think about this. <laughs> yeah, but there's all Inception was Inception was a very hard one for them. Buckle like. up for Oppenheimer. <laughs> partially in color, partially black and white. What does that it, mean? It definitely, <laughs> it definitely goes against the grain. So there, there's there's a quote in this movie. I'm gonna butcher it. But it basically drops in the ocean. <laughs> no, it's not that. No, it's basically it basically states the more structured a society is, the more stale its outcome, or something like Ooh. that. And yes. so, if you think about it, it this movie goes against every single formula that works in cinema. Yeah. Yes. And I think that's why it's almost impossible casting the same actors. <laughs> I think that's why it's so impossible for it to have been created. It, you need the Wachowskis to do this. So my next question, does the portrayal of interconnectedness and reincarnation impact your interpretation of the character's actions or motives? Is it reincarnation if it's all happening at the same time? Well, you are reincar. If you're the same soul, you are reincarnating. Wait. I think he's just asking, was that same soul just in different timelines or different moments in the timeline that's all happening all the same at once. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Let's skip that question. Because you're able to, so they basically say that... Armand's mind I have a better question. So basically they're saying that we are living different lives in different vessels 
throughout different times and ages, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Love transcends death. Love transcends everything. Yes. The same way that they say it in Interstellar. So make them stay Merv. Make them stay Merv. <laughs> but, um, okay. It, there's a lot to unpack with that one. Okay. The film features reoccurring actors in different roles throughout different timelines. What do you think this casting choice signifies thematically? So uh, what it would signify thematically, as, as I just mentioned previously, is just showing how uh, the soul, it's, again, the, the reason why it, it's more made more overt within the, the movie versus the book, just to show that the birthmark is the soul that's just kind of passing through each um, uh, avatar to a certain degree. And and I guess by having different actors play different roles and not be that same main character, uh, that it just shows the complexity of it. Yes. And that and that and that what actually is moving on is just that soul and the faces that and the faces and the actions that they do don't really have as much relevance on the on what they were in the past. You know, Tom Hanks. Mm-hmm can go from a sketchy doctor man <laughs> to a really nice scientist. It's like, this report's bullshit. It's going to blow up. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, so it just uh, morals appeals kind of change like that. Do they all have the same birthmark? Because that's what I took. I, I feel like they all had the so, same so birthmark. It's the same birthmark, but it's on different people. Different people, different but, that's, but that's the soul just going through different avatars. The same. And Is that what it is? Yeah. Because at the very end, when it's like the super deep, 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 deep future, Tom Hanks has that birthmark on the back of his head. Yep. Yeah. yeah. So, so he's that same soul. So there's a soul just passing through different avatars. So he was never so Tom Hanks only in only in that episode is 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 that soul kind of character. Whereas so they didn't character, all have it. But yeah. but but his Fro- but that, Frobisher that, had it. Um Frobisher had it, the Haley Berry character in the nineteen seventies had it. Uh I believe Ewing, Ewing had it. Ewing right? had it on his chest. Mm-hmm. Uh and then you had um Sumney Sumney had it because she was the Christ character. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um and Tom Hanks had it at the end. Yeah, Tom. Yeah, I think we got all six. We're missing a story. Um, three, one, two, three. Timothy Cavendish. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, Cavendish would have had it, I believe, probably. Yeah, he probably had it. That I mean, I don't. They. they Who else would have had it, it? A lot of times when it's mentioned in the book, it's only so much in passing. Like when it, even for like the Somni one, mm-hmm. it's mentioned like, oh, my sisters make fun of me because I'm not as genetically proper because I've got this this birthmark. Okay. So it's always kind of in passing. It's I always offhand. I don't remember. Because mm. like in the film, was like, who had it? This. Who had it in the 70s? It was um, Halle Berry. Halle Berry because uh, uh, Rufus noticed it when they got in the elevator. Because okay. and yes. his and, and former so, lover had it. Okay, yeah. so how did Halle Berry die in the 70s? She didn't, she didn't die. die. She didn't die, yeah. right? Yeah. So she doesn't die in the 70s. Mm-hmm. But then Cabbage is alive in 2012 and he has it. So how can two people have it at the same time? But uh, if she never died, well, did he have it? I don't know if he actually I don't had know. it. I don't so remember if, if, if he he's had the main it. character in that storyline, he would have it. Well, I mean, maybe she, but, uh, but this, but this does not also play onto your kind of perspective of, of all those stories happening simultaneously at the same exact time. So, so how, there's yeah, interconnectivity, well, yes. but also same with the exact time. Two individuals. It's five D chess, man. <laughs> mm-hmm. you yeah. just, your mind's too small for it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I don't know if he, I Take don't this remember DMT a scene first, where man, he be good. <laughs> Yeah, because they they only showed it once per person. I yeah, like I, I say, it's always very subtly, and I can't. Can we, pull we pull that up, Jamie. 
<laughs> yeah, because I, I would think like Halle Berry d- doesn't die in the 70s version. She was supposed to die. But then if she's alive, then she's probably the same age as Cavish in 2012. I would you know, suspect. I too have a birthmark below my left armpit, but no lover ever compared it to a comet. Timothy Cavendish. That was from the book. Okay. okay. So. Okay. Adam had it. Cliff notes. Robert F- Forshaber had it. Louisa had it. Timothy had it. Yeah, some knee. And then uh, Tom Hanks at the end. They all had the birthmark. Okay, so they all have it at least once within this time, their own time. I mean, they, he could have gotten. I mean, you don't know how the soul works. Maybe it goes in and out of people. Yeah, at you got. It. <laughs> well, yeah, totally. I'm not. But also, like, there, there's got to be some overlap between her life and his life. So it's like, does he develop this thing a week after she supposedly passes away in the future? And then he gets it. Or maybe they don't die, but the soul transfer. I don't know. Who knows? You know what? I, I, I don't think I'm accredited enough in uh, religion to answer these questions of the human soul. <laughs> how, how many angels can fit on the pin, on, on the end of a pen? You know? Yeah. I don't really know. <laughs> I, honestly, about the whole like uh, casting choice was a signify. I mean, it's like, I think we live many lives at many different times. And... We live different roles. Yeah, different sure. different roles within one lifetime, within many lifetimes. And I think having the same actors play different roles in unique ways is actually uh, very... Except for Hugo, because he's always like the villain. I know. That's just some shit. <laughs> I yeah. Know. I mean, like, but Hugo wasn't the... He wasn't the villain, villain per se in the in the Somni one. That was... He was just in the background. Li- li- right. Like he was like, oh, they don't really want to do this, but I want to do this, and I just want to like interview you, see what's going on through your mindset. No, Hugo... In the Sumni one, he was more of like the chief inspector. Yeah, but like he wasn't like the he wasn't villain. The, like he wasn't like you're going no, to the gallows. Exactly. I'm just like yeah. exit, your exit interview before we yeah knock you off. That's why someone believes. When she was like, well, he was like, who's going to believe this? Well, someone already does. And then he oh, plays. Him. And then he plays basically Sumni's dad, right? In the far future. In no, no, no. Yes. No. In um. Oh shit! Oh, Ewing. when when yes. Ewing gets eighteen hundreds, when Ewing gets back home. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah the she played owner, like yeah. a red yeah. head ginger. She's like a ginger Asian. I did not yeah. know that. So that was like Haley, uh, Haley Berry and like no, that, no, was, that was some knee. Oh, that was, oh, that was some knee and all the. Oh yeah. wow, that was, that was a lot of good like makeup and stuff. This film has fantastic makeup. Transitioning, <laughs> just. I mean, it was it was done the way that the Wachowskis do it, man. Just near perfection. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay, last question I have before. All right, penultimate question. So the film's messages about the consequences of individual actions are powerful, but do you find it overtly optimistic or too deterministic in its outlook on human nature? You go first. I, I would say it's optimistic because, again, it's, it hits on a lot of those Jobian points of just you literally see the fall the rise and fall of civilizations mm-hmm. how moral codes change over time through individual actions mm-hmm. and it influences things in the future um and how certain things are seen as weird 
and like uh, disgusting uh, in the past, whether it be homosexuality or whether it be within slavery. But then you see other stuff later in the future. It's kind of like a brush off the shoulder and no one really thinks about it. Yeah. Even within like the, the Valley people, the fact that Haley Berry character happens to be, you know, of African descent or, you know, black and, you know, Tom makes sure is white. That's never brought up where, you know, even within the 1970s kind of uh, timeline that's kind of brought up. Uh, but yeah, I'd say it's, it's, it's optimistic and it just kind of shows that, like I said, the individual and the personal revolutions uh, lead to impact other people. And at the end of the day, um, there's some quote from who? I don't know if it was Jordan Peterson or if it was someone else. But it was something along the lines of never doubt the impact you have on the individual and you don't even know it. You know, it's, never doubt the impact you have on another individual. Which your abstinence will leave. You know, back in Alberta. Yeah, I left them. There's a big impact. They missed The me. lobsters. It's a hierarchy. <laughs> the lobsters bring them out and start dancing. I have no idea what you guys are referring to. <laughs> inside joke, inside joke. <laughs> I was like, where, what is this? What's going on? We met this doctor called Peterson. Okay. He's a great man. But anyways. Likes lobsters. Good points. Pete, what do you think? Do you what, think it's too question? Oh, okay. <laughs> it is complicated. Our paraphrase mind. it, and I'll give you a paraphrased answer. Uh, about the consequences of the individual's actions throughout this entire film, uh, do you think they're too optimistic or do you think they're too deterministic? I'm not going to have a straight answer for you. <laughs> like, got to get off the fence. I can't get off the fence, man. Like, I'm thinking about every single character, whether they're good or bad in this thing, and... I can't give you a straight-laced answer. How about this? I don't think it's deterministic because even though each one of these characters set into motion for future events to unfold for their next incarnation, they still all have free will to play around in whatever world that came before them. So I think it... And I also don't think it's optimistic as well. It's just like... People are gravitating towards what they believe is true and right in their own context. Because like it, in each one of these stories, they're all fighting their own different rebellions and stories and, uh, and oppressions in their own different ways. So they're all like going towards like this universal truth, but I don't think that's too optimistic. I think it's pretty realistic in my point of view. Yeah, I get that. That's all I'm going to say. Okay. All right. Okay. Final question. Because I don't know. I feel like I'm like one breath from going into like a rabbit hole for two hours yeah, on top of this. <laughs> <laughs> Would you recommend Cloud Atlas yes. to a friend? Yes. I recommended it to you. All those years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, you... Did you see Cloud Atlas? I'm like, I went opening nights. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes, uh, I would recommend it myself, but I would also uh, let them know what they're getting themselves into. It's not... Something you can just waltz into easily. Yeah, right. to to the right person. Like, yeah, yeah, it's the right. I'm person. not gonna. <laughs> I'm not gonna go to someone that is like all about like Will Ferrell comedy movies and be like, dude, you gotta check out this movie. Yeah, but this is not where's the, the jokes? Yeah, this exactly. is not. This is not the kind of movie I would suggest to my mom or my sister. My brother maybe, but my mom be like, I don't know what the hell. I'm or even some Marvel like diehards. Mm-hmm. <laughs> where's I? I didn't stand up and clap once. <laughs> Where are all the references? Yeah, like if you if you definitely want something that 
is going to make you think and just wasn't that the same character yeah yeah <laughs> be like, and then then yeah there's just so much going on and if you just really want something that is entertaining visually sexy you know front to cover and then you know unreal story right. all all the way through right totally 10 out of 10 folks are gonna see wait tom hanks is on a beach but there's no volleyball <laughs> where's wilson yeah like this why does he want teeth this film is like what's the best way to describe it like uh the mona lisa while the films that we ragged on right now is kind of like a, a comic book like it's it's two completely different things yeah it's like one's like pulpy and extremely approachable. You can have it on in the background almost. You don't need to pay attention. Mm-hmm. And then with Cloud Atlas, it's something like you need to like make time for, pay attention because you're going to take away stuff from this film. You give the film yeah, some energy, the energy of the film is going to rub off on Yeah, something. I fully agree with that. You know, it's kind of like a fine wine. Like mm, you keep like the hit- 2019 we just drank. No, no. <laughs> Pre-pandemic. Pre-pandemic. No, this 2019 red blend pre-pandemic. No, you could have this with like a burger. You can taste the stress-free we had back then. You could have this (laughs) in a burger, but um, no, because like when you have a really nice bottle of wine, you're you're picking up on things from the moment that you uncork it to the time that you finish the last drop. And this guy, when you're when you're watching this movie for the third time, maybe the fourth, maybe the fifth, you're picking up on things that were just way over your head originally, and it's just. It keeps getting better. Even when I paused it 85 times, whenever it was, that number keeps growing. But <laughs> like I paused it so many times because something else caught my attention and I had to hook it into where else it fits in the rest of the movie. And yeah, it was just, it was a fun jigsaw puzzle yeah. of a movie. We live many lives. No, I'm just living Here's a today. bonus question. Do you think we are one soul in many bodies? I know this theory. Do you think, what do you think, Pete? Do you think we're one consciousness that is traveling through time and space? Or do you think we are the culmination of all of our ancestors to this very moment? Or are we all just firing off neurons in a single brain? I mean, I think that's proof. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um... We are one organism, the whole planet. Nah. That's tough, man. Like, it's time to get off the fence. Get off the fence. Are we living in string theory? What was the question again? Do you think we're the culmination of our ancestors, or do you think we are one soul in many bodies? And yes. Both. Okay. No, no, we're definitely the culmination of our ancestors, but... Culturally, definitely we are. Yeah. But, um... I don't know the same. You said the same soul in same soul in limitless bodies. bodies. Um, nah, man, because there's a lot of like, nah, man. nah, man. There's there's a lot of like, you know, really awesome people out there, and there's a lot of really shitty people out there, and there's a lot of evil fucking people out there. So Tom yeah, Hanks played all those characters in Cloud yes, Atlas. I mean, here's the thing: <laughs> all of us will be one of those people at some point in our life, for however long that chapter is in our life. But at the same time, no, we all are our own people. But this, the way that this movie's put out, I think you could definitely argue that your soul transcends time and it can live yeah. infinite 
infinite ways mm-hmm. for sure. So you're saying like the human body is the transmitter for the soul. Like we are attracting the souls. Two different things. The body is like yeah. the antenna and then the radio waves is the soul. Yeah, yeah. Um, shit, like, all right, what's his name? Shit, Fer- man. Ferberish? Frobisher? Frobisher. Frobisher. Robert Forbisher. Yeah. The guy so, that penned the sextet of the Cloud Atlas. Yeah, so like before he kills himself and he's got his letter to Sixsmith, he's like, I believe there's another world waiting for us, a better world, and I'll be waiting for you there. Oh, my God. So, yeah, I think. It's heaven. I mean, it, it may not be heaven. It could just be like the same reality that we have. Yeah, 2012. 2012, a better world. <laughs> but um, <laughs> like, you know, it could be like the same thing that's happening current day, but marginally different, which makes it infinitely better. Yes. That's such a good perspective to have. So, yes. <laughs> I was born in the dark. I was born in the dark. How about you, Lucas? What do you think? Uh. That's a weighty question. Um, I will definitely say that uh, as individual, we say do our ancestors shape us? Yeah, culturally, norms, I mean, morals, religion, uh, that kind of definitely environment that you're brought up in that was definitely shown multiple times throughout there. Um, I think probably a culmination of our ancestors. I uh, don't know if it's been slow, but eh, there's the individual, but the individual is just built on from what they experience or people around them. And, uh, you know, I, I like to think that we're definitely a culmination of our ancestors only for the fact that there's so many ways of living life or philosophies or methods that people are brought up in that continue to produce the same quality of people through that worldview and lens. You know, an example I'll give is, you know, Mormon people, they tend to be overly nice and just very kind and compassionate people. And that's just the culture that their ancestors they get their kind of brought up in when they die. Yeah, it was that? Yeah, but no, but they, you know, they were brought up in rougher times and oppression, so they don't see the means to being negative or anything yeah. like that. And so, I guess it definitely comes and shows through. As far as individual soul, if it goes through many different timelines, still trying to figure out my own timelines. <laughs> yeah. I think we're all in agreement because I think we're the culmination of our ancestors. I think we all have individual souls, but I think we're just a drop in the ocean. A, a multitude, multitude of, of drops, drops. <laughs> in an endless ocean. Yes. And the endless ocean is the human subconscious, maybe God itself. But um, yeah, I think uh, we are one drop that culminates into the, the grand ocean of uh, whatever, where all the souls come from. Just like how we are three individuals that accumulate into one drop oh into my. this podcast episode. Oh my God. So right after Furbish, <laughs> right, right after Furbish said Forbisher. that- Forbisher. Goodness. Goodness. Right after he says, I'll be waiting for you at that at, at this next world. The next line in his uh note. It's not gonna blow your mind, but it he just says, I believe we do not stay dead long. Halle Berry. Halle Berry. Now she's a fine wine. <laughs> <laughs> what was that movie she was in? World's Not Enough? What was, hmm? what was her first Bond movie? Her fir- this was this is totally a tangent. Forever. I don't care. Um, oh goodness, with Pierce Brosnan. Uh huh. Where she's coming out of the water, she's wearing the well, bathing suit. Is that world is not enough? It's not Golden Eye. It's, it's not Golden It's one after Golden Eye. Mm, it could be world is not enough. 
dun, 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 dun. I think maybe it's before. I don't know. But anyways, she's a great Bond girl. Mm-hmm. This was an awesome podcast. We went deep. We went down the rabbit hole, and that's what I love to do. I see the hole. I'm like, I'm jumping in. And Cloud Atlas is definitely <laughs> a, a perfect. Just your bad. Yeah, but Cloud Atlas is a perfect film. I wanted to talk about this film for 11 years, ever I'm, since I saw it. I'm like, glad you let me bug you enough. Like, hey, we should do this. Hey, we should do this. Hey, read the book. We should do it. Hey, watch me. We should do it. <laughs> Here you like, go. One more quote, Armand. One more. Let's do it. The nature of our immortal lives is, the, is in the consequences of our words and deeds that go on and are pushing themselves throughout all time. Yes. That's so true. Like this, this There are film, so many quotes where we're just like, this is so true. God, it's like... This film is like the cinematic version of like the book of Proverbs or Psalms. That's just yeah. like verse after verse, line after line. It's like, oh man, this is so point. It's like, I can't keep up. This whole film is making me think and meditate in ways. This world spins from the same unseen forces that twist our hearts. Mm. Wachowski Off the is fence. <laughs> whoever wrote this book. Yeah, who wrote this book? Uh, Pull that up, Lucas. David Mitchell. Thank you, David Mitchell. Giving us a David Mitchell. Giving us a forever brain scratcher with this one. But yeah, like guys, thank you so much for coming on. This was a blast. I'm glad we finally did this. We could talk about Mr. Nobody, since you two really want to watch I, that one. I it is just such an I awesome, gotta watch it again. Fun fact, that was supposed to be in season one of this show. I gotta but watch it. But then I again. decided oh, yeah, to watch, watch, it watch something. Too, else. But it just it's so it's so Jared Leto, it just it's fantastic. It's such a the <laughs> cinematography, the colors, the it's thirty seconds illusions of Mars doing the movie stuff. Too. It's, it's great. It's mm. great. Okay, that'll be the next one for us, Mister Nobody. I, I always uh, encourage another invite to you on your podcast, Lucas. Thanks. Yeah, so much I'm for always down. On. You're welcome, Armand. Pete, thanks so much for coming on. It's always a pleasure. Until next time. Until next time. Until next time. Thank you, everybody. Morning. Goodbye. That's it for this time on the Syndicate. We hope you enjoyed yourself. Keep the conversation going by adding us on Instagram and letterboxed at Syndicate. Or join the Discord server where you can catch Armand along other podcasters and listeners at syndicate.com slash discord. And until next time, stop that scroll and spend more time watching. Goodbye.